Bonjour everybody and bienvenue and welcome to the Man in the Black Suit podcast. Hi Joni, hi Lorraine, just let us know if you can hear me because you never know, I'm always trying to play with things and I sometimes I mess up and uh, you, you know how that can be sometimes. I'm good for it. <laughs> so welcome, welcome, welcome. So happy to see you today, and I see Betty just joined. Hey, Miss Betty. And uh, so it, today we are going to be covering chapters four and five, and you're not late. We're just getting started, too, so we're all in good shape. But blame the snow. That's all you can do on the Yes, coast. yes. So. Welcome, uh, welcome to our blizzard. Uh, uh. <laughs> Pam and I both are in the state of Pennsylvania, so uh, she's getting a little bit more snow than I am. But yeah. we're okay. we've had snow since going nonstop since yesterday, and yes. it's supposed to go until eleven, I think ten or eleven tonight here. I see Lori just joined us. Hi, Lori. Hi, Lori. So we're uh, it it should be uh, it should be very interesting to say the least. So we'll start with a couple of announcements and uh, wanted to let you know that the Gabriel series um, fan podcast is going to be back on Sunday at 5 p.m. And Betty, I believe you're going over chapter two. Um, just want to make sure. Uh, Trilogia de Gabriel is working on the El Extasis de Gabriel. I hope I pronounced that right. And they're on at three o'clock on Saturday, Mexico time. Uh, Noites in Valencia, I'll watch for them. I know that they've been doing some promotion as uh, well as Noites in Valencia on getting the uh, books into Spanish and Portuguese so that, you know, they can continue on with their podcast. And uh, there is good news coming. Yay. Hey, Kez. Good morning to you. Um, there is good news coming, and I know noticed that there was some international news that's going to be coming out pretty soon. So hopefully, oh, fingers is those crossed. Books. I hope it's the books. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. So uh, that's what we have going on right now. I know that there's another good news coming, but God knows when that'll be. You keep saying soon, soon. It'll be worth the wait. Yes, I hope. I'm sure it will be. I am sure it will be. Yeah, Betty, I wonder what that could be. <laughs> movie, movie. Yes, hopefully. Or series. That would be even Or series. Fun. I know, I know. Of course, now I don't just want it for Gabriel's series. Now okay. I want it for the Florentine series. And I think this book would make a fine movie. A fabulous movie, yes. Mm -hmm. Nicholas and Acacia could become the new James Bond series. I think that would be great. Yeah, I mean, how many years has James Bond been going on, and how many stories have they done? I, think I know. Be an awesome thing. SR could keep busy for a long time. <laughs> yes, he could. <laughs> we agree, the Lorraine. We agree. Oh, Lorraine says she wants a series for all the books. Yes. Absolutely. He, and and he, and SR could become the new Ian Fleming. <laughs> 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 That's right. I wonder what he thinks of that. Yeah, <laughs> we'll I'm sure he'll love that one. <laughs> Joni says she wants it all too, Leslie. <laughs> I, I I figured everybody on this podcast would love to see 
the words turn into images. I think it's so interesting to see different media share the same story. And I just think seeing a film or a series would be really great. Yeah. And Betty says, maybe the boss has cloned Gabriel and we could all get a professor. <laughs> Kez likes that idea. Yeah, I like that idea too. So. Yes, please. <laughs> Sign me up. I'll take one of those. <laughs> I'll take a number four from column A. <laughs> Oh my gosh. We're having too much fun. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Too much fun already. And uh, one thing also, I wanted to thank everybody who was able to join us on Friday night to celebrate Acacia's birthday. Mm -hmm. That was a really fun uh, podcast. And we were able to have some friends join who normally couldn't join us at this time. So um, we will announce the next uh, Friday night podcast probably next week we're still uh, discussing dates for the april the april worldwide wrap-up oh yes yes that'll be uh that'll be interesting and (laughs) hopefully it won't be tax day although mine are done thank you i did them they're mailed they're done i'm in in good uh, i'm in a good spot (laughs) good for you good for you of course, I didn't pay anything. I don't get anything. But hey, you know, it's all a wash. That's fine. I'm fine. With that. <laughs> so, hey, it's all good. Yes. Betty said she'd be happy if she could borrow Becky, Gabriel's housekeeper, for one day. She could use her help keeping her house in order <laughs> once in a while. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> maybe she would, maybe she could just hop down the eastern seaboard. She could stop at your place, Betty, and then swing by Pam's and then come over to my house. <laughs> that would be great. We'll send her out to Karen in Pittsburgh too. How's that? That would be good. That would be good. I'm sure Karen would appreciate that. <laughs> and Lori says, good for you, Pam, as long as you don't pay. Nope. And she also said that she'd like that too. So <laughs> we can leave, We Becky can leave Pennsylvania and she can kind of take a, take a flight over to Texas, Lori. I believe that's mm-hmm. where you are, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. Yep. So definitely, definitely, we could keep Becky. We could keep Becky busy for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got plenty of lemonade here. Oh, did I say that? <laughs> <laughs> Becky with good hair. <clears throat> oh my gosh, Pam, have you been correcting your coffee? I've been. I uh, just choked on some lemonade, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes, and I was right. I remembered Lori is from Texas, so happy, happy that they were able to resolve the uh, that the bombing Austin stuff in Austin, mail bomb yeah. Uh, yeah. case because that, that actually had... was a very sad, sad ending to a sad situation all the way around. But you know what it reminded me? Remember a couple of years ago they had that Washington shooter that was driving all over the place and just shooting people. Oh. Yes. It kind of reminded me of that a little bit. That's scary. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So, yes, Betty, Becky will be on tour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was, She could go all over the place. She could go on a worldwide tour. Exactly. We'll send her over. We'll send, we'll send her to, her to Samia. Send her over to Kez and, and Susie. Australia. Susie. Mm-hmm. That'd be, yeah. she, never a dull moment. That's for sure. 
she could swing around, hit hit over to Lorraine's place, go to see Joni. It'd be great. <laughs> mm-hmm. We'll get her what what is a diplomatic uh, passport, so she doesn't have to worry about anything. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, and in fact, now she can go to Paris because we're going to start the discussion of chapter four mm-hmm. uh we chose to do chapter four and five together as you can surmise because four was quite brief um but quite uh i think revelatory in a way mm-hmm. uh it starts with pierre breckman sitting on the exceptional terrace of his suite staring at the eiffel tower and he kind of contemplated the tower as he was sipping his vodka and he drinks tonic. Grey Goose, which I think is wonderful. Yeah, well, that's, I, I concur. I'm a fan of the Grey Goose. And, uh-huh. of course, it makes sense since it's French vodka. Mm-hmm. Um, so we might we might have to have a Grey Goose, uh, Grey Goose night yeah, that sounds on the like, podcast. And that sounds like a, it would be a dangerous <laughs> but fun one. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Can you imagine? Toast, or we we could we could drink every time we say Nicholas or something. We could come up yeah, with we, a drinking yeah, game. Yeah, we could have a drinking game with that. Yeah, that sounds like as a good long as idea. no one's driving. <laughs> be responsible, and you don't have to use Grey Goose. You can actually just have water or tea. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm all about healthy behavior. Um, Betty says every time she reads Pierre, she thinks of singing in the rain. Singing oh my gosh, Betty, I love that reference. Oh my gosh, Betty, you got her singing. <laughs> you got now. me going. <laughs> <laughs> Look out. Pam is singing. So, I had to sing this in a, in a talent show when I was like 14. <laughs> With that, and then the follow up was Let the Sunshine In. So you know how that goes. I love it. Yes. I love it. It is funny, Betty, because I do, I have to say I that goes through my head sometimes. Her her voice that is very distinctive voice that um, I'm blanking out on that actress who had that role. Debbie Reynolds. Um, no, oh, it wasn't the Debbie other Reynolds. One, the other one, was, yes, yes, I know yes, who you're talking about. Yes, uh, who was the the premier star, um, who was a famous famous for her non-talking pictures and when they tried to transition her had disastrous results she sounded <laughs> like she talked from brooklyn yes but she it was had that pitched. kind of voice and it was very high and she couldn't sing a note like me <laughs> <laughs> yeah no you can sing i i betty says tmi tbs the musical so that would be another interesting option uh to to take to take SR's work to Broadway, I'm all I'm all for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> SR goes to the Great White Way. <laughs> yeah. I like that. That would that would be good. I know. Yeah, okay, so Pierre mm-hmm. is sitting, looking at the Eiffel Tower. The tower seemed to be calling him, but he was contemplating how his whole world had gone to hell. And you know he was stressed out because he was enjoying his vodka without tonic. Mm-hmm. Um, Silka had wounded his pride. Silka hurt him. Mm-hmm. And it was not the first time she had done this. And he was really angry. Um, yeah, but I don't know whether it was so much of anger or 
you know, I, th- I thought anger too, and then, I, you know, maybe it was like because he felt shame. Embarrassment. Embarrassment. Um, yeah, that's the better word. I, I could be, you know, that it he be allowed many himself. Yeah, you know, like he could allow himself to be that. You yeah. Know, well, he's and, human. And, and she wounded his pride. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that's you know, he he, he was contemplating that, and then keeping an eye on his security as they were switching um, positions, Mm -hmm. it kind of made him think of that tall, beautiful Brazilian woman with the striking hazel eyes. Yeah. And I thought this was interesting because this was the first, you know, it, it seemed to be the first time that he really kind of thought about her and mm-hmm. was contemplating her and, and showed some interest in her. Um, and he, you know, he's letting his anger go as he's sipping his drink. Mm-hmm. He's, he wanted to know if he could trust her. And she wasn't sure if she was like Marcel or if she was trustworthy. Um, so he was kind of contemplating that. Mm-hmm. Um, he was... And I, I think the line "corruption could be enticed and drawn into the open" with a well, few well-placed suggestions was very mm-hmm. telling because I think that signaled that he was going to test her. When I read that, I thought he was going to test her. Um, yeah, I thought so and, too. And, I, I, he, he, it sounded like he was really going to get involved with her and and uh, see what 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 she was made of. Exactly. And um, Betty in the chat room. Uh, was saying that he was humiliated. She didn't have the decency to call him. I know. Um, but lucky for us, Pierre is already moving on. His heart healed rather quickly when he saw Acacia. Lorraine also said that he, she thought he was embarrassed. Mm-hmm. And um, yes, I agree, uh, Betty, that Silka had crossed the line. I mean, yeah, the, even in the picture, the, in the way that it's described in the book, is that she would, uh, you know, she the, the other guy, the actor's face, she was holding his face, and it was like, you know, not the cheek that he had that was scarred, badly scarred. And I think that got him, too. I, 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 he, exactly. You know, I, I know, he, he, it's like he wears that scar for a reason. Yes. And she was being very punitive, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just very, very mean, mean-spirited. And as he was, his anger retreated, he actually was conscious of the weakening effects of rage. And um, it made one rash, it made one foolish, and he vowed never to be those things again. And I, I was taken by that as well, uh, because I've seen how anger can be consuming and can really be very irrational and can eat you up horribly yes yes um it's it's quite telling that he you know he must he really he really needed to control his anger and he was cognizant of that right and as as he's contemplating his day you know and i found i found that you know with the with the rage and everything, it I I know that a lot of people when they keep the anger in for certain too long, it will become mm-hmm. rage and then it erupts. I mean, I've always been very good with that. Um, <laughs> one of my 
foibles. Uh, but it was, you know, it, it, and it's not healthy to keep it in. Not healthy at all. No. So. No, it's not. Um, I, Lorraine said that it was deliberate and meant to hurt him, Silka's behavior, which I agree. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she says it's a lot of work to hold on to anger and it keeps you a prisoner. Um, I agree. And, and Pam, I actually, hard to believe, I'm pretty mellow, pretty low key. I typically, I, I, I really rarely let anger overtake me. I, it's just not t- my typical reaction. And if I'm angry, I will voice it and not hold it in. Um, but it takes, it, it does take a lot for me to get angry. It I'm does, just kind well, of, I kind of roll with it, I guess. And no, it, it's nothing special. It's just the way I'm wired, as I like to say. Yeah. So Betty wants to know who's worse, Krista or Silka? Oh, that's a good question. That is a good question. I, um, you know, when you look at Krista, she's, I think a lot of her anger is directed at herself, and that's why she acts the way she does. Mm-hmm. You know, going after men and going for the prize and all that kind of stuff. But, um, and I, I think Silk is just a, she's an opportunist. So is mm-hmm. Krista to an extent. Um, I feel like Silka, her actions seem to be very mean-spirited, though, mm-hmm. whereas Krista just seems to be selfish and... Yeah, she's just totally selfish. It's I, totally self-absorbed. I don't know if she... I would say Krista's always mean-spirited. Yeah, I think she's just, she's just totally self-absorbed into her own thing and doesn't care about anybody mm-hmm. else. Yeah. Narcissistic. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so as this chapter ends, the Eiffel Tower winked at him, beckoning him to visit her. To do so, he'd need a companion worthy of so beautiful and romantic a location. Mm-hmm. And so he's searching for his companion. He's searching for someone who's not, as SR wrote, a viper. Mm-hmm. And he's hoping he can find his special someone as he turns his back and goes inside. Right. And then, you know, he's thinking, he's also thinking about wanting to go into the restaurant that's at the Eiffel Tower, the Jules Verne. Yes. And the Jules Verne is a five-star Michelin-rated restaurant. And I know when I went there last year, one of the things that I did in August, because I was planning, you know, I put some tours together for myself in August, before I left was try to get a reservation there with this tour group and their first open reservation was November so I never got to go someday I will someday someday that would be so I wonder how far in advance you actually have to do it though I think you know? well I think if you going outside of a tour just by yourself to go or like as a couple Mm-hmm. Somebody like Nicholas, who can work with a concierge and, and get somebody, probably get somebody in, wouldn't be a problem. True. But if it's just like you or me going, we right. might have to wait for a long time. I mean, I, I would I would want to check, like the day I booked my tickets, uh, to see if I could get a reservation there. Or, you know, even just find out when I can get a reservation and then plan the trip around the reservation. That might be good, too. So, and, uh, exactly. 
And next then, time, right? Next time, you never know. You never know what's going to happen. And uh, we were also asked about Ava. What did we think about Ava and Silka? Yeah, yes. And I, I bet Eva's saying she thinks Krista could actually care for others. She almost gave herself freely to Gabriel if he showed any sign he cared. And mm -hmm. I also thought about Ava when Betty raised that question because I'm thinking, you know, that would be a really great debate to get into. Mm -hmm. And Betty says, Ava versus Krista versus Silka. Mm -hmm. And I think it sounds like a wrestling match. And want to just say hi, Tiara. Hi, Tiara. So glad you could join us. And uh, y'all, it could be it, it could be a good mud fight. <laughs> yeah, Jello wrestling, right? Jello wrestling, yes. <laughs> Chris For whatever so kind of ridiculousness <laughs> we could get into. Yeah, we could get into a lot of trouble with that. <laughs> so on the Great Goose Night, we can do the uh, the mud wrestling. <laughs> right, right. For Tierra, you just joined us. We were suggesting since Nicholas is drinking Grey Goose that we might have to have a Grey Goose uh, podcast at one, some point. One, one Friday night, yes. <laughs> I think that would be a Friday night, mm -hmm. uh, Friday night extravaganza. Pay per view, <laughs> Betty. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So oh, that, <clears throat> so that ends chapter four. And brings us into chapter five. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I might need You're... to send you some gray goose right now. Tara. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Catch your breath. I did. So it's uh, <laughs> the next day, and Akazi has gone off to go work out at a dojo, and uh, while she's doing that, she's thinking about Marcel's journal. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, she's at the do dojo learning how to, how to, uh, or doing karate. Um, her mother had originally started her into Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And, uh, but when she moved to Paris, she, she changed over. But she's thinking about the street, the Avenue Jurassic. It's always a lot of people. It's, it's got a lot of traffic. It's tree-lined. It's a, you know, big, it's a big street. And mm -hmm. they've got some beautiful stores on there. Hermes, Bulgari, Givenchy, Saint Laurent. And, it, you know, it's one of those places where you really, you want to, you'd like to go shopping. And, and I was, it was funny because I was talking to a friend on Monday. I was visiting with her. And when she went to Paris many years ago, she said she went into all these stores, Chanel and, and all, so she could just try on clothes. And you know, she said that most of the time, the women that go in there are, you know, they're usually American, and um, they, they're the women that work there. It's kind of lonely, so they latch on to you, thinking you're going to be spending all this money on these. She said, but I tried all the designer, um, designer clothes on, and uh, it was all by myself. So she said it was a lot of fun. But in any event, so this is what the street's like. So there's a lot of people that are walking along the street as well. So she couldn't understand why when she got, got looking for the motorcycle, Marcel's motorcycle, to see if she could see the journal was around anywhere, that with all that pedestrian traffic and everything and video cameras at the hotel's security system, why, you know, no one saw uh, saw anything happen. The only one that only witness they had was the person who found Marcel's bleeding body on the street. And uh, so she goes back and she goes into the hell, hotel and now she's changing into her uniform. 
Anne. They, she wears like this navy blue uniform for work, and I'm I'm sure if it's a hotel vitoire similar to um, the uh, uh, George Sank Hotel, uh, mm. I'm sure that the uniform is spectacular and probably worth probably been designed by a Dior or a Chanel or somebody like that. I wouldn't be surprised if it was in Paris, right? I wouldn't either. And uh, but she's very proud of her pins. She has a lot of concierge pins, and because she's of of all the work she's done with the La Capdor, and so she's she probably did really great. So she has a, that's what she's going out to her desk. That's right. Mm-hmm. And as she's she's looking around at her desk, and she actually was taking a look, getting situated, um, and she notices. As she was, uh, she had dropped her pen um, and she thought she knocked it to the floor and she pushed her chair back, looked under her desk. Um, As she reached to get the pen, her hand brushed against the drawer and it wasn't a normal drawer. She noticed it was something different um, and that was kind of distracting to her. And as she was contemplating that, um, she hears this very strict, rigid voice say, I need the concierge. Um, and as I'm looking in the chat room, uh, Betty had said, Acacia needs to help her find time to work out. She'd probably stay in a little corner practicing her kicks and watching That's everyone in awe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Betty, I think you would be great. I can imagine it now. Um, and she also had said that uh, when talking about um, Ava, Krista, and uh, Silka, that underground wrestling match would be something that Snarky would probably love. Oh, he'd get a big kick so. out of that, I'm sure. I'm I sure have no doubt. Mm-hmm. That might be some fan fiction somebody might want to write. Just mm-hmm. saying. You know who would be great with that? I could see... <laughs> I could see Morgan, <laughs> Morgan, <laughs> Morgan, and Jen writing a fan fiction piece. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, I wish Jen was on right now. I, I wonder. Too, but... <laughs> Lorraine was said, "Yes, he would." She's laughing. I, I think Morgan we might have to put that, that out as a challenge to the yes. Locklears. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. So as she's hearing this woman's voice. Uh, she sits up to see a very well-dressed, very polished woman, uh, elderly, uh, approach the concierge, and she's very attentive to her. Um, out of the corner of her eye, she sees uh, Monsieur Breckman uh, approaching, wearing his black suit and his security team in tow. Um, the guest was very short-tempered with Acacia's momentary distraction. Um And she seemed very uh, offended uh, because it seemed like she was wasting her time. And Acacia said, I'm the concierge, madam. How may I help you? Uh, And as she was, uh, you know, she was waiting to hear what she said. uh, The woman would not make eye contact with her. She was extremely abrupt and rude and said she doesn't want someone from Spain. She wants a French concierge. So she will not speak with foreigners. And, you know, that was, that was painful seeing that scene. Um, 
Acacia being the professional that she is, um, was said, I'm, I'm from Brazil. I live in Paris. Um, I'm happy to help you. And she more or less wasn't paying attention. Uh, she, she was directing her almost to me, it seemed almost like she was treating a dog, giving a command, go find a French concierge. I mean, she was really, really rude. And, um, you know, as Acacia was, you know, starting to address her and uh, Breckman approached Acacia and says, good morning. And mentioned to her when you're finished, I need to speak with her. And the woman was rude and mm-hmm. was ignoring Acacia and just said, I don't deal with foreigners. I'm waiting for a French concierge. And here's where Pierre Breckman gains lots of points in my book. Mm-hmm. Um, he says foreigners and where are you from, madam? So right away, I mean, if she's visiting from somewhere else in France, she's not Parisian. So technically she's a foreigner to the city. Um, The woman uh, was answering him and, you know, saying she's from Lyon. And he reminded her that Lyon has a very rich history and reminded her that she likely is an immigrant as well. And he cited uh, several moments of history when the Huns came in, the Romans immigrants arrived from Vienne. um, And he said, yes, uh, the immigrants arrived from Vienne in the first century. Were you there then? So now Pierre didn't have to be snarky. That was a little snarky. It was good snarky, snark, though. kind of snark, snarky emerged in Pierre Breckman a little bit, um, and that was a bit rude. But he was trying to demonstrate and put her in her place. Her place. And and Betty was saying that uh, she's the lady's pretending to be classy, and then she can't even tell the difference between Brazil or Spain, and that's not classy at all. Exactly. And, and Lorraine says this is when she started to love Nicholas. Mm-hmm. And uh, Betty was saying she loves Pierre, too. And he put her in his place. And nobody puts <laughs> Acacia in the corner. That's Absolutely right. Not. Nobody puts Acacia in the corner. Hi, KK. <laughs> Hi, KK. Hope you don't have too much snow out in Western PA. I think Pam and I are getting it all for you. Betty, too. <laughs> Betty, well, Betty's probably going to have more than both of us, I think. But I think so, I'm too. not sure. Um, so, essentially, uh, she, and, uh, you know, Pierre, <laughs> Pierre goes on after he, after he offended her the first time. He continued on. What about the Burgundian refugees who escaped the Huns in the 5th century? Surely you would have remembered them. And she was outraged. This woman was furious. And he reminded her that the French Revolution taught the principles of liberté, égalité, and fraternité. And he point blank said, she is the one who has abandoned those principles. And she has ceased to be French. Um, now, Acacia, being the professional, trying to make her guests feel comfortable, even when her guest does not deserve her 
her caring and wonderful service, rose and said, Madame, I can introduce you to one of my colleagues. She's trying to be professional, and Pierre continues his diatribe about fascism and xenophobia. And this was a great, this was a great uh, quote. Fascism and xenophobia have no place in France, the guest continued, his brown eyes glittering. They have no place in the world, although it appears, sadly, they've taken residence in Lyon. Mm. And, you know, I, again, this is where I just thought it was wonderful that Pierre broke, Pierre was speaking up about that. Mm-hmm. Um now, the woman was insulted. She was going to the manager, uh, which she had no idea that Monsieur Breckman is this very important guest. So whatever she's going to say is not going to make it a bit of difference because uh, Breckman will win out over the uh, uh, Monsieur Roy uh, decision-making any day. I love the, um, I love co- the way you <laughs> said, please give Monsieur Roy. Yes, he knows. He knows where to find me. Yes, yes. <laughs> so Acacia walked her over to the desk and uh, was situating her uh, with Celine, trying to, of course, smooth over the rough situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, uh, this is, you know, this scene was very pivotal. I think it really speaks to the heart of uh, some of SR's writings. Um, and yes, as Betty said, uh, we had a history lesson with Professor Pierre. Where do I sign up? Mm-hmm. Lorraine said, yes, please. <laughs> and Tierra says, definite history lesson from Pierre. And Betty said, Pierre said what we were all thinking, which exactly. is true. Exactly. Um, again, once again, SR is very didactic. He teaches us things through his writing, not just history, um, but also really shares his worldview and um, Betty had said this reminded her of Julia. Julia would rather um, mean people hear their evil words, and Pierre does the opposite. He speaks up and defends the person who's being attacked. And that's very true of his character. He really he speaks uh, truth to power. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so we asked SR. I said, thank you for the French history lesson, which was shared during Breckman's pointed discussion with the rude woman from Lyon. In all your books, you embrace multiculturalism and respect among people of all nationalities. This book and in this scene, you strongly sent a political message against fascism and xenophobia. Were there any particular current events that triggered this strong message? And his answer was, in the case of the man in the black suit, there's been a general wave of anti-immigration sentiment in Europe and in North America. I discussed the European dimensions of it in the novel, but I could have set the novel in North America and had a similar discussion. I was hoping the novel would encourage people to reflect on immigration and how in some sense, many of us are immigrants or descendant from immigrants and how we are all connected as members of the human race. You know, and it's very true. I mean, I I, I, I know from my, my family, because we did a, genealogy thing when my mother's brother was uh, passing away mm-hmm. um, you know he wanted to know about his Irish family so my sister and I got together on Ancestry and we started going back and forth and back and forth and you know we found out that my great great 
great-grandfather came from Ireland in 1815 on my mother's side of the family. And he had like a, like a boatload of kids. Mm-hmm. And then all the brothers and everything. And, and then one of them was my great-grandfather. And, and then, you know, so... You, but there was at that, that time, I mean, anywhere you went, there was signs and windows. Um, Irish need not apply. You know, so I, I can see where, and I think every nationality has gone through that at some point in time. Yes. Whether you be Irish, Italian, Greek, Spanish, it, you know, it just, you know, even um, the African-Americans that um, were freed slaves went through that too. And after the, after the, um, the war, the you know civil war, mm-hmm. and uh, so we not and this is what really gets me about today is because when you sit down you 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 don't think about that you think only about what your immediate being is and I think that's one of the things that's so wrong and it reminded me of the movie Gangs of New York. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a long movie, but and it's the story of it. The underlying basis of the story is the fact that you had uh, Bill the Butcher, who was the, uh, I I equate to the Trump people today, you know, with the isolationist only people Mm -hmm. here. And where, um, you know, uh, with uh, Leo uh, DiCaprio's character, he was, you know, the Irish immigrant. So, you know, you could see a lot of that. You definitely can. You You can see quite a bit and uh betty in the chat room says this is another reason why we love canada they're kind to everyone we need to learn to be like canadians and apologize (laughs) for everything too no i'm just kidding i'm just kidding (laughs) but it is true it is true and um you know in the in the the book pierre breckman asks akasi if this happens a lot um and of course akasi is being diplomatic and norris's question instead and tries to deflect by asking how dinner went. And he, you know, he was pressing the issue. Mm-hmm. He ignores her question and responds saying that he's seen anti-Semitism and anti-immigration on the rise and had not anticipated it in Paris. Mm-hmm. And as she says, Paris is the whole world. Um, she was yes, trying to, de- she was trying to lessen the situation or enlighten the situation rather. Um, mm-hmm. But he, he, you know, he finds her very, very restrained. And um, as Betty says in the chat room, people need to look back at history and learn that we need to be kind to one another. We all need each other in order to have a strong community. And Betty, I agree with that. I mean, there are so many, uh, so many social um, experiments and social constructs where that demonstrate if you get people who have very different backgrounds, different, um, different religions, different nationalities together, if you ask them what's most important to them, it's always family, religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, we have commonalities despite the differences. And it's something that we need to keep in mind. Um, it, it because sometimes you don't realize that and it's hard especially if you're not exposed or you don't have an opportunity to meet people from other places mm-hmm. um, you know it, it's 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 something that you might not ever have to think about or come across 
Um, Betty says, you know who else defends people in need? Paul oh. Virgil Morris, that's who. <laughs> Paul will always uh, get into a conversation somewhere, Betty. I was <laughs> waiting for the Paul reference, Betty. I, you never disappoint. Mm -hmm. And Lorraine, yes, SR made Lorraine think differently about this. And I think that's one of the great things about reading and uh, reading novels and art and experiencing things because it does give you a different way to reflect a, total, um, a totally different perspective of life one of yes. the things that one of the philosophies that i've always carried around with me is you don't know where you're going if you don't know where you've been so that's why mm -hmm. history is, has always been very important to me it was my major very in college. true <laughs> very true um and and you can see you can see patterns that are emerging that we've seen in past years and hopefully we're going to be wise enough to uh, learn from our past uh, to prevent yeah to prevent some tragedies from occurring uh, so you know she's trying to diffuse the situation she's reminding Nicholas that she's a concierge um, for, you know would rather work through friendship. Um, and he point blank says he questions if anyone can actually be friendly with a xenophobe. And this I thought was really her response um, was very, I thought, very smart. Um, she said she can't choose her guests, but she can choose how to respond. Mm -hmm. If someone hates her and she responds with hatred, then she's reinforcing hate. But if she responds with kindness, then she's changed the conversation. And perhaps the person who hates her will see a better way. They may not. They may not. They may not. And you, you, you've, I've experienced that. I'll be very sweet to someone if they're rude. Um, they may not change their tune, but then I, I feel that I'm being true to myself and authentic to myself. Okay. I'm, not, I'm not perpetuating hate. Um, and even with people I completely don't agree with, you know, I'm not going to, you know, there's, there's no reason to be rude or to belittle people. And you, you just try to treat people the way you would like to be treated. And that's part of the golden rule. Mm -hmm. And Lorraine said she loved when she said that. I did too, Lorraine. Mm -hmm. I did well, too. It's like, there, there's, it's like the line that, you know, if you, if you blind a man that taking an eye for an eye only makes you. Exactly. Blind. Yes, yes. We had that discussion when we were talking about the show, when we were prepping That's for right. the show, and I, I agree with that. I agree with that. You have to, you have to think globally. You have to think bigger than that. And um, Betty said she, we can change the future with kindness. Mm -hmm. And KK said the museum in my little town has a show about immigration. It's basically then and now. Mm -hmm. Yes, I would like to see that actually, Karen. That would be a really telling story because in Western PA, there, Western Pennsylvania, as as all of the U.S. really was built on immigrant with immigrants of one way of one shape, size, um, creed or color, mm -hmm. uh, all different nationalities came. Um, you know, everybody is an immigrant except the Native American mm -hmm. population mm -hmm. in in North America, anyway. So, Lori's saying, if you are kind in response, you know you are doing the right thing and trying. Agreed. Mm -hmm. And Betty's saying, sometimes the hateful person is too stubborn to actually listen to the other person. 
That's true. That is true. Um, and or sometimes they're so enraged, you know, going back to Nicholas's uh, reflection on anger. Um, sometimes you're so enraged about an issue that you shut down and cannot absorb or hear anything else except the, your anger at the moment. Right. So. so. So Pierre's he's very surprised at the lack of diversity within the hotel. And she's trying to tell him that, you know, the hotel staff does have diversity, but it, it, he just doesn't show it that much. And then she, again, she's trying to change the subject. So, um, and her, she's kind of not paying too much attention at the moment. And he asked if she, if Pierre asked if she was being kept from something and, and she said, no. Um, but he, apparently she's like looking, I guess, for thinking about the journal. Um, so she says, no, Monsieur, but she's asked how the dinner was at Guy Savoy last evening. And as usual, it was a work of art. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, he, Pierre's telling her how, uh, the, the chef Guy Savoy himself came out. He's introducing himself to everybody and, uh, has she asked if she had ever eaten there. And, uh, she's like, she has not had the pleasure, but what she did do, she did get a tour at one time of the restaurant, and the location truly impressed her, as it had once been the French Mint. He also, by the way, has little shops around Paris where he sells his brioche. That mm. Again, that's going to be a next time I go. Um, <laughs> so, the, you know, he... he uh, Pierre's thinking about things, and he's studying her, and he says... This must be vexing to arrange all these lavish experiences for your guests, but never experience for your, them for yourself. And that's a quote. <laughs> now, I was telling Leslie last night, one of my favorite words is vexing. It's an old word. It's not used a lot anymore today. I think I first started reading about vexing when um, I was uh, reading Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen because she used mm. it in her novel. and. I just find it fun to, you know, just a fun word to have. So, um, and she said, but she, she thinks to prefer to think of it as an opportunity. And uh, then she, again, she's going on about changing the subject, saying that uh, to, about the uh, things that he had given her to return. And he was, she was able to return all of them except the lingerie. And the lingerie, um, he, she made the suggestion that uh, we, he, they could uh, give it to a charity for auction. And he mentions that they're of no use to him. And, you know, he's not going to walk around in women's underwear. <laughs> I don't know why. Some men do. I'm not making judgment. That's not his thing. That's right. It's not his thing. But she suggests donating it to the Vision du Monde, which is um, the French... World Vision Group, and they take they do a lot with of Christian relief with children in Africa and underdeveloped countries. So anything that they could auction, they probably get a nice price for it. And of course, that would all, all go into helping um, with that. She asks if she will, if he wants it in her her name or his name, and he says no. <laughs> yes. No, thank you. No, thank you. And and we have some good discussion going on in the chat room. Mm -hmm. um, 
Betty said sometimes the hateful person is too stubborn to actually listen to the other person, which I think I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, she's also noted that in times of tragedy, people forget their differences and come together to save lives and help each other in difficult times. It's a shame it takes a tragedy in order for people to come together. 9-11. Yes. 9-11, you saw that 9/11. a lot in New York. Lot, you can lot, see it with the hurricanes. Yep. You can see it after the mass shootings, mm-hmm. sadly, in this country. Um, you can see it many places. And Lorraine agreed, it mm-hmm. is Betty. It all should always be like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Betty noted that Acacia has good taste, which she does. And, and KK yes. was sharing uh, one of the stories um, from the museum that she referenced is about a girl and her mother who came from a French colony in Africa. She spoke French, they fled to Paris, and because of the way they were not accepted, they made their way to Pittsburgh. So, and I think that's not unusual in the immigrant experience. Oftentimes you will try to go to one place and you're not welcome, and you have to flee and find another safe haven, Mm -hmm. which is sad. Um, because we should all be helping each other, in my opinion. Um, She said there's a book that goes with all the stories, and I think that sounds like something I definitely want to go visit. Um, Whoever is out out in that that trip, uh, that part of the world in western Pennsylvania, uh, I think go to Greensburg and visit the museum there. Exactly. Betty was saying that the, um, the time um, the woman's underwear could be worn was when they were playing poker. <laughs> yes, Norky, you never SR, know. You never know. You know, they you go never know. 60 in that back room and start playing poker. And, uh, <laughs> what happens know, at Harbor 60 stays in Harbor 60. Okay, maybe Gabriel will have to come home wearing the underwear. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds like another fan fiction story. Well, um, it's part of one continuation yes. of the of, uh, of the Mango and um, Morgan's story about the poker. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> More assignments for Morgan. Uh-huh. The Locklears are getting a the Locklears are getting a lot of assignments today. They are. They are. Um, <laughs> so you know, in chapter five. He hadn't really thought about the donation, and he, he kind of presses Acacia about um, her recommendations um, about philanthropy and about donating. And um, she says many of the guests are involved with philanthropy, so when the opportunity arises, she'll suggest it. And uh, it is solely up to the guests. She gives them options. Mm-hmm. And a good concierge does. She, Concierge does, and she said, while the clientele at the hotel can suggest um, it, sometimes they need to be motivated. And she made an she. This is another one of the parts that really spoke to me. There were so many good things in this chapter. I know we're going to probably go over our hour, but there were so many good things to dig into. Um, and w- this part was one of them. Sometimes the least of us give the most to charity, and I can attest to that. And several of the organizations that I worked in, I was uh, the United Way coordinator. So I was the one who would go and ask my coworkers and colleagues uh, for donations. And you would be surprised at those who give and those who didn't give 
reasons why they gave, reasons why they didn't give. Um, and often, maybe it's not the dollar, total dollar amounts, but I would say probably percentage of salary amounts. A lot of times those who had the least would give the most. Hi, Noni. It's really remarkable. Hey, Noni, welcome. We're talking about philanthropy and about those who sometimes have the least can give the most um, to charity. So, and I, I know in the chat room, uh, <laughs> I, the discussion is going on about the women's lingerie. Maybe um, we, maybe we maybe. can do a bit of the time warp. <laughs> it's That's jump right. to the left. <laughs> Rocky Horror Show. Mm. And just a step to the right. Yes. <laughs> it's the that velvet might, that dress. Might our night. The dress me insane. <laughs> I never saw oh the my movie. Gosh. I never saw the movie. Never took any virgins to the movie either. <laughs> I don't believe that for a minute, Dan. Not for one minute. <laughs> Never threw rice. Oh, with his glasses on, Betty. Yes, Lorraine. That's so funny. Um, <laughs> and Sorry, now Lorraine. Lorraine has the song in her head. You are welcome from Pam, Lorraine. <laughs> I think that's going to be in my head all week now. <laughs> and um, so I, I thought that was imp I thought that was a, a good uh, contemplation on that. Uh, Pierre Breckman suggests that she missed her calling um, about and that she should have gone into philanthropy. But she says we all do our part to help others, which, again, another universal theme throughout SR's work, um, kindness, helping each other um, and supporting each other. Um, then Acacia asks if something's wrong. Um, she notices something and he just was contemplating her and he said she was very different than the other concierge that he worked with and you know he wanted to know a little bit more about her he asked her how many languages she spoke um and she said six and she tells him they are french portuguese english spanish russian and arabic and the arabic caught his attention she was very curious he was curious about that and he asked why arabic if you're from Brazil. And her response was that it was very important in the service industry, especially in Paris. And she said she studied at art at the Sorbonne and he wanted to know how old she was. So I thought that was kind of funny too, because I think he caught her off guard by that. I think so um, but too. Then, but then after, afterwards, then we understand why, you know, he said he could find it if she wasn't going to share it, but he wanted to give her the courtesy of giving an answer. And she said 35. And then he kind of looked very contemplative and said that she would not have been at the Sorbonne at the same time um, as a sister. Um, and he told her that he was extending a stay. And since Marcel is not available, that he would use her services. So, you know, that part was, kind of where you know he's learning a little bit more about her she's intriguing him um and i think the whole interchange with the rude guest and uh how acacia handled it i think intrigued him even more um yes betty a lady never reveals her age or weight as lorraine said <laughs> and a man should never ask a woman if she's pregnant <laughs> 
I think uh, I don't think anyone should ask a woman if she's pregnant. That's true. <laughs> I think that's something that should be freely shared with the woman. Uh, I've seen too many uh, very embarrassing moments when that has happened and has yes. not been the case. Uh, yes. I, I can attest to that for myself too. Embarrassing and painful in some instances too. So. So. Ikasia goes on to ask how she can assist him, and uh, he, he decides he wants a new bespoke suit. <laughs> yeah. Not just a suit, a, a bespoke, a bespoke suit. <laughs> I had to look, when I first read this, I had to look up bespoke so I knew what it was, and it's basically a handmade suit. Mm -hmm. And... Um, so, but he wanted the tailor there, and when asked... Uh, what you know about it he wanted a black suit and he wanted it for that evening and uh nothing like being difficult and trying to find your bespoke suit mm -hmm. and uh, so she she says well you know i can get a tailor to come to you but um you know it's going to take a, it's going to take a couple fittings and it's going to take about 70 hours to create the suit and uh, so you know he, she kind of let him down a little you know easy on that one but he turns around and says well you know Monsieur Roy he talked you up and he made you out to be a miracle worker and <laughs> she, she's telling him I'm not I love this worker. part <laughs> yeah I'm not a miracle worker uh, and then he's like I'm not a thought either. I'm not an angel either. So, <laughs> you know. I bet so he's there, not. And there was some, I think there is some attraction there's a little starting heat there. there. Little bit. Yeah, I think that there's a little flirtation there. So he ended up telling her to uh, pick out the tailor and that he would also need shirts and ties and that he's, you know, the to start with and that he would be extending his stay so he's, it's possible he didn't know how long he would be in, in Paris um, she replied to him that she would do her best and was there anything else she could do and he says well maybe a couple of things to which is her pleasure um, he he kind of insults her by suggesting that they she could do more with her six languages and being, uh, you know, having graduated from the Sorbonne with an art degree, uh, you know, which I thought that came out of the blue for some reason. It just, it, it threw me when he did that to her because that's kind of insulting her. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, being abused by guests and by being minion to the manager of the hotel and being trotted around. And that, that unfortunately, that did kind of make me angry kind of made her a little angry too and yeah uh, although i don't know when he first when he first said that when i was first reading that mm -hmm. i didn't take it i wasn't if i was in her shoes i wasn't taking that as being offensive i was taking it as being wow you have all these skills you could be doing all these so many different things and i'm not sure why you're putting up with abuse abusive guests here I, I guess I was looking at it a little differently although I mean it is it is not respecting her um, you know her decision to be a concierge which is a position that she prides herself in being so but when I first read it I thought he was trying to be encouraging of her 
because she had been treated so badly from the other guests. Yeah, I, I, well, I, that could be. But when I first read it, it, it was like I just got that tone in my head where it was like mm-hmm. insulting to her. Because yeah. it was like putting her down a little bit because when you're a concierge and you could be doing so much more. Right, and, right. You know, that that's where and, it came from, from from my angle. And there's been there's been there's a lot of discussion in the chat room here. Karen and Lorraine uh, both took it the way I had taken it, and Nona did too. Betty said he wins so many points by defending her from the the rude guest, and then he screws up by asking her age and criticizing. Her. For her job. Way to go, Pierre. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah, she's But I she's... think I think he I think she was sensitive to this issue though. Because I think I think it was a hot button for her. Yeah, um, I think I, and that's why that's why it, you know, I could feel that there was like anger coming from her. And mm-hmm. and she could feel it was building up in her. You know, and it, it kind of reminded me a little bit of chapter four when he was talking about anger and raging and, and how that it can make you a, like a weaker type person if you let it all build up. Mm-hmm. So, because he, you know, the other thing is, too, is he really doesn't know why she's doing what she does and, and that, you know, she has an exit strategy at some point um, being, uh, you know, about any of that. So, but he did mm-hmm. notice her anger. Yes, and 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 uh, Nona also said she guesses Nicholas could have phrased it a bit differently. Um, Betty agreed, Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. most definitely. Anger, hot and violent, burned in her middle. That's that's for sure it did, and uh, you know, and and as I said, he kind of noticed her anger going around, and then until it was, uh, she saw. Monsieur Roy, or Ra, right. as um, yes. and Dean pronounces it, um, yes. come through, and she then was using her martial arts training to kind of <laughs> calm her breathing down and, and letting that go. Uh, Pierre apologizes to her because he spoke without thinking. Mm-hmm. And avoiding his eyes, she asks what his request would be. And he apologizes again, again, and this time it, it become. I think it was, it, she realized it was more real. Yeah, he wasn't just, it wasn't just perfunctory. Mm-hmm. I think she sensed that he really, truly had some contrition in his voice and that, yeah. that he was, he was feeling badly for how he worded, um, treat, worded it. Yeah. And as Lorraine had said, I think he was fishing for information about her, um, and I agree, Lorraine. I think, you know, she kind of intrigued him. I think he was digging in a little bit more, and then when he found out how accomplished she was, he was like, and after seeing her treated so poorly, he was contemplating why um, she would have been uh, staying in that job when she could be doing all these other things. And Betty said, Acacia has worked really hard to obtain that position. And she gets no respect from her colleagues. And here comes Pierre insulting her job. Kind of made me feel like he doesn't respect her either. <laughs> no black suit for you, Pierre. Yeah, no suit for you. <laughs> no suit for you. Uh, instead of the soup Nazi, it'll be the soup Nazi. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. One of my favorite, um, my favorite characters from Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah, that was that was really funny. Yeah. And, yeah. 
you know, he he was rubbing his forehead and, and apologized once again and said that everything has gone to hell in a handbasket. Uh, first Silka, then Marcel. And he apologizes again, saying that she had been nothing but professional in the face of ugliness. And he was sorry that he contributed to it and that the Victoire was lucky to have her, but he doubted that she realized it. I like that. I'm sorry to have contributed to the ugliness. It's not who I am. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I love that there was something open about his expression at that moment. The The man looked contrite. Uh, Karen is saying that she thinks also she expects to hear the worst from people regarding her and her talents. <laughs> and uh, she thinks that uh, she realizes he meant the, the best but said it poorly. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 He, and I think he was, he's, you know, truly trying to make amends. Ignoring what he said, she said she'd make the arrangements for the tailor and doing going about her job is there anything else and he said he wanted to buy a round of drinks for her and the staff and she said you didn't have to do it but she would arrange for it and he asked her then if she'd ever had a guest ask for something that she could not do and she very slyly said um yes in fact she had um (laughs) there was (laughs) um a guest once asked if i could provide a bespoke suit in a couple of hours and he grinned, <laughs> and I love this phrase, and the smile almost obliterated his scar, touche. <laughs> so, again, you know, there's a little bit of this flirtation going on. There's a little bit of this feeling each other out in terms of who they are really as people. Um, uh. And she asked if he needed dinner arrangements. Um, he said they'd been taken care of, but there was one other thing. And, you know, the bespoke suit initially was, I was thinking, okay, this, he's kind of testing her, but this request that he asked now, I really was like, he's definitely testing her. He wants to know if she's, if she's legit or if she's, um, if she is, uh, kind of tied into the black market. (laughs) And, uh, she, he said he wanted a relic of St. Teresa of Avila. And she said she would research it and present options, which is an incredibly professional way uh, to say, <laughs> uh, I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> um, because she was, her, she was really shocked when he asked for that relic. Um, and he, he pressed her, can you help me? And uh, she, you know, she just said she would look into it and then he met then she kept her very professional manner and he thanked her and he said that's all for now and she was he was getting up to go and she said monsieur as i mentioned i i i hadn't found anything about the meeting had he learned of anything about the meeting he was supposed to have with marcel and he was furious yeah he went off the wall on that one yeah, um, talk about rage. Um, he turned so swiftly um, before she'd even realized he moved, and he, he placed his hands on top of the desk and leaned over her, barking at her, forget about the meeting and don't mention it again to anyone. Um, it caught Acacia and Rick off guard. Um, 
his reactions. Um, so much so that she pushed her chair back and Rick actually grabbed his elbow. Um, and looking in the chat room, uh, Betty had said, Acacia is probably wondering, what the heck? What is he going to do with a relic? <laughs> yes. He's going to go see and, William <laughs> and Ava. Exactly. <laughs> I know. Um, and also they were talking about um, that Karen had said she expects that Acacia is used to hearing the worst from people regarding her and their talents, and she realizes that he messed, he meant the best, but said it poorly. Mm -hmm. um, and Betty had said, with the apology, Pierce has half a suit. Half a suit. No pants, <laughs> Only though. the top. <laughs> he has to work hard for his pants. <laughs> and I like flirting 101 with Akashi yes. and Pierre. Yes. Yes, because they definitely were doing that. As mm -hmm. Betty said, mercurial. Mm -hmm. um, and Lorraine's worst PMS ever. <laughs> Agreed, Lorraine. I that is a great way to phrase it. I think men can have the have PMS just as bad. So it's... <laughs> no underwear either, Lorraine said. <laughs> and Betty said Pierre needs some chamomile tea, which he does. Um, he, he, you know, then it, it kind of went back. Uh, Acacia had been frozen by that reaction. Uh, and... Breckman smoothed his hair back, adjusted his sleeves, and they left. Um, she was stunned. No one had threatened her like that before. The fact Rick had to intervene made it menacing. And she wasted no time in being very careful and fi finding what was under the desk, getting the journal, and going into the staff bathroom to lock herself in the stall and review what was written in Marcel's journal. She was being very careful because she wanted to find out what was Marcel doing and why was he attacked. And he, she, her thoughts moved to Marcel and what could possibly have happened that he would have been attacked like that. Um, and she was thinking that there had to have been something sinister between him and Monsieur Breckman. And uh, that ended chapter, chapter five. five. Yes. That really does bring you into a certain area where you think, like, what the hell's going on here? Oh. Exactly. What exactly. Are they into? Yeah, definitely. definitely. Well, and, and, and the fact that, you know, here's Pierre Breckman wanting a relic that is not going to be attainable by any legal means. So she, she really, I think, you know, as attracted to him as she appeared to be, mm -hmm. she really seemed to be put off and, and frankly frightened at what he's doing. Mm -hmm. And um, Betty said, doesn't this remind you of Anna and the bar scene? <laughs> <laughs> and Karen said, exactly. <laughs> I, I think to a point it does. Um, the way they're flirting back and forth with each other, and then all of a sudden it becomes business. Right. You know, and Anna right. goes running, running off to Wanda. So. <laughs> Anna, get away. Anna, get away. <laughs> I had a Wanda. I had a blue Wanda just like her when I was a teenager. 
It's a great car. Great car. So yeah, so that that that, that uh, concludes that uh, chapter five, and, and then we start getting into chapter six for next week. And uh, I know what goes on there. Mm-hmm. I know, and Maybe. as we'll have to we'll have to find out uh, if there's any more that she can uncover, and uh, what's going to happen. What other requests are going to be thrown at her from this mysterious Pierre Breckman. True, true. You know, as we're uh, winding down the podcast, uh, we actually had two affirmations we wanted to share. Um, as many of you know, we ask you to forward any moments of contemplations of gratitude or thanks for the week. It could be something large. It could be something small. And uh, we had two um, shared with us. Uh, Nane. Uh, shared uh, an affirmation earlier this week. Um, A global community built, friendships made, laughter and cheekiness and joy and sadness shared. All because an itinerant, amazingly clever, learned, sensitive and compassionate, and Foxy, (laughs) writer, put pen to paper. I love that SR affirmation. Nane, thank you so much for sharing that. That was beautiful. And as uh, the chat room is con- still continuing to buzz, KK said, then you realize the relic was a test. And Betty says, it seems the leading men in books are mercurial. Examples, Christian, Gabriel, William, and Pierre. I know. I, I find it interesting we have these mercurial characters. So I, I, I tend to think that might, that might indicate uh, something the author has noticed, worked on, lived with. Uh, been a contemplated, part of. been a part of, <laughs> uh, maybe semi-biographical, um, but I think really it's it's the essence of human nature to begin with. So, um, and Betty goes, I'm afraid what will happen when the boss writes Paul's book? Will he be mercurial as well? I don't think so, Betty. I think he's going to write Paul as Paul's continued. He's going to be true to Paul's character. Yeah, Paul's character isn't that uh, way, so. Yeah, and and uh, Lorraine thought that was a beautiful affirmation, Nani, um, which I think it was, and Karen agrees. And we have a, our second affirmation was from Lorraine, who sent it today. And Lorraine, thank you for sending this. This was a beautiful affirmation. Uh, it reads, my son has autism, apraxia, and epilepsy. I am so grateful that I'm always able to get whatever medicine or therapy he needs to make his life better. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. That is a great affirmation. Uh, I think one of the things people take most for granted is good health. Yes. And you can live with a lot. You can live without a lot. You can live in dire circumstances as some as still 100,000 people this week are still without power on the island of Puerto Rico after mm-hmm. six months. There are still a hundred thousand people living in desperate circumstances. But if you have your health and you have access to good health care and medicine and therapy, you can make you can make it. Can so make anything feel better, yeah. It it really was a beautiful affirmation. So yeah. thank you both for sharing those. Um, and I have one more affirmation. Uh, that I'm sending 
I am thankful today is World Poetry Day, especially <laughs> because my counterpart and partner in crime, Pam, has written a poem that she is going to share with us now. I, I, I wrote this for SR earlier today. As for, for World Poetry Day, I said there once was an author from Canada who wrote about Gabriel and Julia. Like Dante and Beatrice, they were hot academia in academia, and that's why we have William, Raven, Nicholas, and Acacia. So a little limerick for today, because my mind automatically on poetry goes, there once was a man from Nantucket. <laughs> and you can fill in the blanks from there. So I thought that would be fun to... Uh, that's to right, Lori. She is a poet, too. A poet, <laughs> a singer. <laughs> Jack of all trades, master at none. <laughs> a great storyteller and a wonderful person. So, thank you. So, I think that's very nice. Thank you all for sharing time with us. I know we went longer than our, our normal hour. Usually we are we try to really stick to the hour, especially on Wednesdays because it's a weekday. Um, yeah. But this chapter was too good to uh, too good to shortchange. And we had to have Pam's poem in there because I thought that was it was so much fun. <laughs> Betty is still waiting for the pop-up. Uh, yeah, 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 it's going to be a long wait. <laughs> be a cold day in hell if it gets published. <laughs> well, I thank you all for joining us, KK. Thank you. It was great seeing you online, Lori. Thank you so much. Um, it was wonderful seeing you all. Lorraine and Joni and, and Noni and Tiara. Kez. Miss Kez. I so. know, Kez, I'm so glad you were able to join us in the yeah. wee the wee is it the wee small hours of the morning there? She's probably on her way to work. <laughs> yes. Yes. So So yes, thank Safe you so travels. much. Yes. Thanks so much, ladies. You know where you can find us at uh TMITBSFP on Twitter or Pam L4155 on Twitter. And at LOA717. And uh, so we'll be back next week at the same time at 5 o'clock and we'll be going over Chapter 6. And perhaps celebrating someone's upcoming birthday. Nah, we don't celebrate them anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah. Putting it out there, ladies. <laughs> Our very own Pam has an upcoming birthday. Yeah, I'll be 26. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Have a good night, everybody. Have a good night and enjoy the sounds of Louise Bonfa. Lamento o tempo de seus braços Vai de braços sem meus braços Encontrarás amor e dor
Lamento o tempo de seus beijos Lamento o tempo de seus braços Vai de braços sem meus braços Encontro